This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Oh, here we go, boys. that sound. This is a good one. All right, what should we talk about? Ducks and geese, probably. Probably. <laughs> I mean, you know, I watched a, uh, I watched a really great, um, it was just like a hab duck habitat seminar thing on YouTube that I found yesterday that was super cool. Um, this guy was just making sense. Like he was saying that if you want there to be ducks in your area and you want to plan your habitat, you know, like he's talking to state organizations or whatever, uh, not just individuals, but like look around your landscape and design it for something that those ducks need in their year annual life cycle that your neighbors aren't providing enough of or whatever. Ducks need like a smorgasbord of habitat to really be comfortable and have their best chances for survival. And he said, so if you're just doing an area in moist soil management, like if your goal is most moist soil management, like you are missing, you are missing something that those ducks need. And that got me thinking about um, Minnesota and how we're so obsessed with breeding habitats. And uh, they, they do not need breeding habitat in Minnesota at all like why are we trying to compete against the dakotas and prairie canada that makes no fucking sense right. there's no way there's no way we will be able to outcompete them or even make a dent in how many we could draw from there to us so what could we provide in minnesota that would actually make a difference like well we got a good mixture of trees you know like Dakotas and Prairie Canada doesn't have that. So if you could get like some good resting areas or some migration stopping points, 
or uh, you know just cover from predators and whatever. You could really draw birds here, and I think by us not focusing on the right things, we're actually hurting ducks and reducing their chances of survival. Well, yeah, and it probably wouldn't just be food, right? You're going to need more than just food because the, the oh, Dakotas yeah, have that, right? They have all the, oh, the same bag that we have here. So, and, and even more than that, like ducks eat a really wide variety of different foods, mallards being the most diverse. And like we're talking seeds, we're talking insects, um, grains, carbohydrates, all sorts of shit, you know? Well, and then and, you look at, well, and what kind of ducks too you know i mean there's every duck has its own preferred diet you know obviously difference between a puddler duck and a and a diver duck but um i guess what would be the big differences like why does that why do the dakotas seem to have more water with freshwater shrimp than we do but it's not just about water with food either like you need roosting waters like Big ass, nice, comfortable lakes that they can sleep on. You need loafing areas where they can take day naps and hide from the hawks. You need um, uh, corn. You need the insects. You need the, the seeds. You need everything. Um, fresh water, water that's uh, twelve inches or less in depth. Super important. And then it, it got me thinking, like even more so, like look at uh, Southern Illinois and how they have all that flooded corn and nobody's really doing great for hunting down there anymore um they just they need more things than what people are providing them and then people well we got all the corn here you think we'd have all the ducks like they need more than corn bud like i'm not just gonna buy a house with one with a kitchen you know when i buy a house and <laughs> I, I need a i need a bedroom i need a urinal i need a you know maybe a little tool area you know like you just need stuff for your life i don't know i don't know it's just something i saw yesterday on youtube well all right. thinking though well let's yeah well let's apply that to minnesota what would we are you looking at minnesota as a state as a whole or are you talking like little microcosms like your own people that have their own 40 acres like what can they do you know that what, what are you what are you thinking when you read that I'm article where on, did your mind go um definitely on like a state a statewide level and like a whole landscape level but if somebody's got 40 acres, the best thing you can do is bait it until 10 days before the season. <laughs> <laughs> and like you said, play the play the speakers all night long. You yeah. Know? Um, keep some farm ducks and geese that you make sure you keep covered up with, uh, you know, covered in a shelter while you hunt so they can't be seen and heard. Just do whatever you can legally to increase your odds of success. But I do think when you look at just the terrain of, prairie dakotas and prairie canada and then you just look at google earth and just come cruising over to minnesota what do you see like you start to run into cities trees and mallards especially um can thrive in urban environments and they've done uh i think it was indiana did a four or a five year study where they were banding mallards only and they were doing it in city limits like it, whenever they banded a mallard, it had to be within a city limit of a major, you know, a town of X amount of thousand people. You can look it up online, whatever. Hmm. But they wanted to see if these mallards were just staying in the cities and uh, not getting killed by hunters. And they've ended up finding that a mallard that they banded in downtown Indianapolis had an equal chance as getting killed in 
uh, out in the country as a mallard bandit in rural Saskatchewan. And not only that, like it had an equal chance of being killed anywhere. Like it wasn't in a, you know, like mallards are very gregarious. They are, they just are everywhere. And they were finding that these mallards where they expected that they were kind of like starting to adapt to cities like geese are and staying safe in there. Nope. They were just using that habitat because it's good for them at that time. So there's, we've got a lot more major metropolitan areas in the Minnesota area. We've got a lot more large lakes, I was going to say, but that might not be true. Uh, yeah. Trees, though. We have different kinds of lakes, though, too, though. I mean. That's what I'm saying. Deep, like, we've got. Deep, yeah. clear lakes. Not not like yeah. the lakes they have out in the Dakotas where shallow and turbid and. Yeah. Um, and that, that stuff, that can actually be great for, like, uh, um those little water bugs or whatever, the little insects. But, you know, when it comes to water habitat too, they have many different needs. That's why ducks don't just sit in one place 24 hours a day until they migrate when it's cold. Right. They have to go and they have to go to the bathroom and then they have to go to their bedroom and then they have to go to, you know, the kitchen. They just don't want to eat the same meal every, every night either. I mean, they have a Mm -hmm. varied diet like we already talked about. So, you know, one lake might be good for this and another pond or swamp or whatever is good for this and then they might hit that ag field too you know i mean i swear i see them like a little microcosm of that happening like here uh or in fridley with the winter mallards because they don't just sit at one bird feeder all night long uh they go and they hit like i if i had to guess i bet you some days they hit 20 plus bird feeders within a five mile radius or 10 mile radius Hmm. You know, they all just filter in, knock off all that, um, knock off all the bird seed to the ground, munch it up real quick and bounce. And it's probably a little bit of just uh, people put different stuff in their bird feeders. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's probably not just corn. Like you're just dumping the corn out, but they're hitting actual bird feeders that have sunflower seeds and safflower and millet and God knows what else. And most of those usually have like some cracked corn or something in it too. But... They usually do, yeah. They're I uh, so tried a couple lucky. different those <laughs> urban ducks i don't i don't know shit i know that they did a study on them uh and, and i think they found the body conditions weren't that great hmm. so just from visually looking at them they look good <laughs> like right. they, they look like some healthy birds but i know like i think the minnesota dnr went out and shot some like in january just to see what their body condition was like and then i remember reading this was this had to be like 15 years ago they said um their next curious question they had was if a duck decided to do that one year and it survived and it made it through kind of by the skin of a teeth, skin of its teeth, would it do it the next year after that? Like, would it do, would it ever do that twice? Or would it say next year I'm fucking going to Louisiana? Yeah. That'd be interesting. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, I I doubt that they have that kind of uh, mental dialogue. Um, But maybe by default, you know, I mean, what what landed in there in the first place? I guess you really need to look at, you know, why did they choose that area in the first place? Was it just because there was other mallards there? For a wintering area, yeah. Like, were they drawn know. there just because of that, or the habitat must be what's keeping them there? And I don't, I, I do not buy the argument of they stay close to their breeding grounds so they can get the best spot for breeding. 
No, it's mallards kind of suck at breeding, and they need to re-nest usually five fucking times until July until they get it right. right. So they stop raping the hens so they can actually have a clutch. But, I mean, I guess my argument for why that's not in, as important as people say it is, is look at blue-winged teal. Like, blue-winged teal don't show up until they have, like, half an egg hanging out of their body, and they're like, suppose we should leave Mexico now. Right. And they show up in Prairie, North Dakota and Minnesota and South Dakota. They just dump in eggs. The drakes bounce back right away. A lot of them do. And, like, they had one of their best hatches ever last year. And, I mean, by the logic of if you get to the prairies earlier, you have a better chance of nesting. Well, then the blue-winged teal hatch would fucking suck every year. Right. Well, they're not all trying to get to the northern prairies or Arctic, too. we got plenty of them that breed right here. Yeah, yeah, the blue-winged teal breed further south, like yeah. South Dakota, Minnesota. There's a lot of uh, ringers in my area right now. Pretty much every pond and lake has a flock of them on there. Oh, nice. Yeah, you would have thought that they'd kind of be further spread out by now, but I don't know. We do, ringers do nest in Minnesota. I just don't know how many. Not that many because I uh, was just looking this up because of the whole uh, – why are we trying to attract birds to nest in Minnesota thing was running through my brain. I looked up how many birds nest in Minnesota and it's somewhere like a quarter of a million ducks. I think that's divers and puddle ducks. I better use my Google machine before I sound like a fucking idiot. <laughs> um, to me, it seems because we have so many trees that we would, I mean, we should be pretty attractive to the cavity nesting breeds, you know, your wood ducks and all your mergansers. Uh, golden eyes there's quite a few of those yeah um wood duck is our third most common nesting duck our first is mallard our second is blue and teal i know that off the top of my head but that's really like them and ringnecks that's like all we nest you know like there's there's not a lot of other species there's there's no northern pintails nesting here there's no wigeons an occasional little blip blop here's one here's their type of shit but I think we have. I think there's one place in northwest Minnesota that is uh, that has some nesting buffalo heads. I'm pretty sure I read that somewhere. Yeah, I guess that wouldn't surprise me either. That's pretty. I think it's like super, super um, south for them. I would think. I think so too. Yeah, I think so. Let's see if I can find that. I just believe more than 100,000 wood ducks breed in Minnesota each spring. That's bullshit. How much? I'd say 100 grand. No. I don't believe that at all. But I didn't go count them. <laughs> I love these guys. Like, ah, oh, the duck numbers are wrong. Like, how did your aerial survey go? Can you tell me your results? Oh, yeah, there they are. <laughs> I got it Confirmed. Yeah, there's like one county in northwestern Minnesota. Well, technically two. There's one under the confirmed evidence. One dot. And uh, I don't know the counties up there, but. And then there's actually another one in the counties that has a bunch of different little swath there. Like top to bottom, that county has breeding buffies in it. So I thought that was kind of cool. And then I know that we have golden eyes nest as far south as Mille Lacs 
and see them on summer with the little babies. And I've even seen extreme northern Minnesota. Uh, I've seen um, scoters in the summer, little babies. I think that's also pretty far south on their breeding range. Scoters, eh? Yeah. All right, here I got the 2019 breeding bird survey. Okay. Um, mallards. Our population estimates. Okay, population. Population's different than breeding pairs. Total duck population long term. All right. There's probably another stat in here. Then I'm probably barking up the wrong tree. Population index for ducks was 735,000. Total duck population, excluding scalp, was 700,000. About 700,000. But Northwest Territories is 10 million. <laughs> wow. So blue-winged teal population, 223,000. Quite a few blue-winged teals. That's what I said the total was when we first started this conversation. Mallards, 286. I must have keyed in on one of those numbers and thought it was the whole thing. But yeah, that's quite a few ducks, but it's not that many compared to Canada and the Dakotas. Like, Let's see if we can't find out what's going on over there. Well, I mean... I think it's somewhat unfair to to compare the two. I mean, topographically, we're just completely different. Habitat-wise. Management-wise, we're trying to be the breeding. We're trying to be the duck factory. When maybe it would be better if we were the migration stopover factory, you know? like. Well, I don't think it has to be one or the other either. I mean, sure, let's try to breed a bunch of ducks here, but let's try to retain. Right, right. Yeah, spread those resources out a little bit. Yeah. Here we go. Spring breeding duck numbers in North Dakota. So what we say, seven hundred grand in Minnesota. Yeah. Yep. Four million here in North Dakota. Four million. In North Dakota. Four million. Well over four thousand or four. Wow. Four hundred percent more. So let's see South Dakota. Shit. Well. Let's look at Canadian provinces. No, I'm just curious. Damn it. Well, the Canadian. Yeah. Well. They're bigger too. Gonna keep that in mind. The Canadian yeah. provinces are, anyways, <laughs> like substantially. I don't know. Is that just the map skewing your perspective? You should look up square kilometers of uh, Manitoba and then, well, Manitoba's fucking enormous. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think they're pretty big. Well, if you think about I don't know. even Ontario, I mean, Ontario goes from Minnesota all the way to, to the East Coast. So that's a pretty big province. I got a place up in the trees right on the uh, Ontario-Quebec border. I want to go hunt. I need somebody who speaks French. Quebecanese. Yeah. Waterfowl breeding population habitat survey. General facts. God, but it's... I mean, I'm, I'm guessing it's going to be more than North Dakota. Oh, yeah, I bet. Um, Four million just in North Dakota. That's so many birds. Yeah, I remember, too, like, when I was harping on how Minnesota has better giant Canada goose uh, 
habitat than North and South Dakota. Yeah. I looked it up. It was like 200,000 in Minnesota. I looked it up in North, just North Dakota. It was like 450,000. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. But it, no, no, no. I, I, it's, it's better habitat for the Mississippi flyway honkers, you know, like. I wasn't saying we had more birds, but it's also really interesting to me how like the Mississippi flyway honkers like don't mix. Like they don't go over to the, the Dakotas and vice versa. Like the central flyway honkers do not huh. care about our soccer. They don't care about our soccer fields at all. Crazy. It's just, it is kind of crazy. Like you'd think like we're North Dakota, South Dakota, Minnesota, even Western Minnesota, like, you think that's so close to the cities that those birds are probably switching around, doing a switcheroo all the time. No, well, not not yeah. even a little. Well, not so much with the hawkers, but I do. Little it, geese do it. It does seem like we don't, Minnesota, for whatever reason, does not get many mallards at dry feed that are going to we, fields. It happens from time we to do. time in some spots, but not. it doesn't seem to be nearly as much as the Dakotas. We do. Um, that's because it happens fast because if one thing about ducks and dry fields is um ducks have zero tolerance for green shoots so whenever the wheat gets cut if there's like geese will hang out in there if there's some green shoots coming up like some overgrowth ducks don't um you'll never see ducks i won't say never but i guess but (laughs) you don't you don't see ducks feeding in fields with green shoots but i have seen enormous august and early 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 september um mallard feeds and wheat in minnesota and i've never Mm. seen any i've never seen somebody say like or post a picture online like took out my boy for youth waterfall day we got a you know him and his buddies got a four-man limit in a wheat field and that happens september 14th to 17th roughly every year you know right so with within that time period of august 20th to like which is when does wheat normally get cut? It's late July, kind of in the southern part of the state, I think. Yeah. So it's really only a few weeks that they feed here, and then the green shoots come up, and then I think all the grain feeders just continue on north. And then we also get really big mallard feeds here come uh, after after Halloween, I'd say. Yeah, it seems late. That's when you're going to find them. But, and, it, but there can be cornfields out, and you won't see – you won't see many mallards feeding in it, but then later in the season, for whatever reason, they they seem to hit it. Yeah, and I, it probably just has something to do with their environmental preferences. You know, like they want to well, be in an area with about a twenty degree low and a thirty five degree high every day. Could be, and I, I I wonder if it isn't different, like I don't know, regional populations that maybe they just haven't, maybe they don't, maybe those mallards don't. Feed and fields, you know what I mean? And then as the migration moves, those ones move yeah, on and do whatever. And then some um, other ones come down from Canada are... that do feed in fields, you know what I mean? Well, did I just lose you for a second? No, I'm here. can you not hear me? Yeah, I think maybe I was trying to talk and you were like, all of a sudden you just chirped in. Oh, that's possible. Whatever. Yeah. I didn't hear a word you said. Oh, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, I was just wondering if it was like regional, like maybe, uh, regional feeding habits of certain birds that maybe are, maybe are early birds that nest here or whatever, aren't your grain field feeding mallards. And it isn't until the Saskatchewan birds come down that are, that are used to feeding in fields. 
and they don't come down until later usually. Yeah, I wonder. Like uh, like we were just talking about those uh, Central and Mississippi Flyway giants not really switching flyways. Right. I wonder if the same thing happens with the Central and Mississippi ma- Mallards. And they probably have different feeding habits. Would be, I mean, seems to make sense. The geese do. I mean, uh, different animals do. There's certain pods of orcas in the Pacific that don't eat seals or sea lions. They, the one they're worried about that gets talked about. So there's a particular population that just lives, I think, off the coast of either Washington, Oregon, or both, and they're they're 100% salmon eaters only. And because that salmon population has been crashing and in dire straits, they're the orca population is going down it's like they're um, surrounded by seals and sea lions but they don't that's not what those ones eat how about this observation i have too like if you um if the twin cities area gets a like a pretty good snowstorm and it gets down to like negative five or zero for 10 days straight how many canada geese do we have left in this area you know around around the metro very very few Right. Um, especially especially if it's later in the year, like mid-December. There's very few honkers left around here. But if you go to Lake Sekakawea up in North Dakota on the Missouri River, um, it seems like those birds have a preference for like that 10-degree high for the day. Um, and you'd think like, oh, they must be eating and just going out and eating corn all day for that high-energy food. Like, no, man, it's like it's all wheat out there, like up around that lake that far north. it's They go out right. and sit in wheat fields. So you got our geese who've got corn everywhere, corn they could have access to, even railroad yards that are spilling grain. There's some that'll hang out there, you know, through the winter. Not many, but then you get up to North Dakota, bumfuck nowhere, and it's wheat fields and tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of geese all winter long. Yeah, western uh, North Dakota holds a shit ton of honkers in the winter. Yep, like they think they've been getting like around 200,000 or 115,000 somewhere in there every winter for the last couple of winters. That's a lot. It's in two spots. Two spots. What are the two spots? At Lake Sacagawea, Missouri River area. And then there's a uh, power plant also that's very near by there. And uh, Beulah? I don't know. Let me look it up really quick. I know I've seen, it's, I was out there working, I'm pretty sure it was Beulah I was working next to, and there was a shit ton, and it was winter, it was cold, and there was a shit ton of uh, honkers out there, but there actually was some corn around there, a lot of wheat it too, might, though. It might be farther, far enough south, It's a, I know it's south of like where Sacagawea is. Well, Beulah is south, south and east. Oh, yeah, whatever. You, uh, I didn't spell that right. Ah, hell. I give up. My phone doesn't want to play nice with me. You thinking about any uh, upcoming trips for this year? For uh, hunting trips? Yeah. Like coming up this fall? Um, nothing. Um, no, nothing crazy. Nothing uh, for sure. Um, yeah, I think it, did they open Canada back up or no? I couldn't answer that question, but I have not heard that they did. I was just if they I remember, they might have, and I didn't hear I, it. Yeah, I thought I heard something about they were going to open the border at particular uh, date in April, but I think we 
blew past that and I haven't heard anything. So, And the date I heard was maybe June was the last thing I heard about about Canada opening up. Well, that's super. Let's go ahead and Google that one. Yeah, dude. <laughs> Canada and the United States have agreed to extend the ban on non-essential travel between the United States and Canada through May 21st, 2021. So there you go. Through, through May? Through May 21st. Well, I know that they do. I think it's the 21st because I think the regulatory structure that Canada has set up for doing that sort of an action is a 30-day structure. So they just kind of keep giving it these 30-day renewals, 30-day renewal, 30-day renewal. Yeah, that's what it says, have extended the order on a near-monthly basis. So yeah, they could just keep pushing it out, so who knows. But, I mean, I would love to do a Canada trip. I haven't done that. So I don't know. We didn't do, we didn't do North Dakota last year because I just didn't want to deal with the shit show because people couldn't go to Canada. But, I don't know, maybe I should look at something else. Maybe go further west. Just do something stupid. Go to Colorado or Montana. Oh, or dude, something. I've been, uh, I got my uh, I got my eyes on a little sleeper cell spot in Colorado. Oh, yeah? Yeah, dude, yep. I've been, been internet scouting it hard. And it's Nelson Lake. Nelson Lake, which has in in North Dakota, which is the other spot that's holding geese, but it's it's substantial. It's like thirty to fifty thousand, I think, all winter at this power mm. plant. The Milton R. Young power plant has a warm water discharge. <clears throat> and um, one more thing is, I believe that all the surrounding fields are in the eight goose limits zone around Nelson Lake. Everything you go to around the Missouri River zone is going to be the five bird limit. That would be fun. Yeah, but if you look up that Nelson Lake, man, there is there is nothing around there. I just don't like hunting when it's that fucking cold, man. I really don't like being outside. You know, like <laughs> it, it just it sucks the fucking fun out of it. Like, yeah, you get some really cool pictures and you look like a badass with frost in your beard and shit. But if I could get a beard, that is. But uh, no, it's just not fun. You're like the time. The most- you're like the most indoor outdoorsman I know. Like I don't know if I I would for sure go out there if I got invited or if I invested in a pit. That's it. That is fucking it. Like I will <laughs> I won't go out there to sit in layout blinds ever again. Have white box will travel. What happened to that? Yeah, the white box is not a pit. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I was so I went and hunted that day that um that was negative twenty three. I shivered myself out of calories, dude. (laughs) I was trying to drive home and I was just calling people to try to stay awake. And uh, I didn't. I slept the whole drive home. I made it somehow. I don't know. I had a dream. I was uh, taking a right onto um, University Avenue to to make my way home. And I woke up taking a left on Central. And I was like, this is fucking dangerous, man. I just didn't have any snacks with, and I just shivered all day in that box. But I didn't have a heater. Well, yeah, I don't know why you didn't put a little heater in there. That would have... I mean, you'd think just even, like, the wind block would be enough, you know? Like, I got a, on a bunch of base layers and all my winter gear shit. I'll be fine out of the wind. Like, dude, any, like, little 
sliver of wind cutting through that thing went directly to me, like to my soul. Oh, shit, that Nelson Lake is near Center, North Dakota. I know people out there. Oh, do you? Oh, I've gotten drunk in Center. Have you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Dude, you should uh, reach out, see if any of them have, like, a, a pit. And we'll Ooh, we'll yeah. have propane, we'll travel. None of them have pits out there. Dude, nobody out there gives a shit about that. That's all pheasant hunters out there. Is it? Yeah. That Nelson Dude, Lake I... really isn't that far off the Missouri River, really. No, it's not. No. it's And I when I went out there, we were up by Riverdale. And it was so many fucking geese. It was just insane. But it was just like almost like a relay race where like one guy would run out 10 decoys, set them up, and then the rest of us would, you know, take turns hiding in the trailer, shoot our geese as fast as we could and get back into the truck, warm up. Like, oh, that was miserable. <laughs> It's pretty country out there, though. I like those giant rolling hills around the Missouri Missouri River. I kind of want to go out there for uh, an August season hunt and bring the jet ski and bag of silhouettes. A jet ski and a bag of silhouettes. Yeah. That's um, that's kind of weird. Genius? That's genius? <laughs> I mean, maybe. Here's my whole thing about the August season is um, – Anytime you go to North Dakota and you rely on hunting for fun, you're not going to have fun unless you just unless the hunting is amazing, which that can happen, but it's it can also not happen. So I got to hedge my bets with North Dakota. Um, well, there's gonna I think be a... it'd be fun to take like a take the ladies out there and like do a little camping deal on the Missouri River or a nearby lake, Nelson Lake, maybe who knows? Just have something to do, some chops to grill and some tents to pitch. Yeah, I and... mean you'd have to do it because that early season, especially, you're like. You're done by nine o'clock, right? Yes, yeah, so then you got all day to kind of. Yeah, now what are you gonna do? You get you drink and you gamble. Yeah, you could, and... you could scout, burn three hundred dollars <laughs> worth of gas by the time the sun goes down if you really want to. You, you wouldn't know? find anything. They're all gonna be on water. Right, exactly. So it's, I just want to do like a nice, like a cool summer trip. And if we shot five geese, that would be sweet. And if not, like let's just try to scout like within fifteen miles of where we're camping, and then you know, try to make it back in time to do one more lap on the jet ski before sundown. <laughs> I think that'd be sweet. Just do a water hunt off the jet skis. I've been waiting for my time to do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> little toe, some little otter stud behind you with your skinnies. Oh, for sure, dude. I've thought, I've been thinking about that since I got the jet ski. But there's a bunch of weird regulations too with jet skis. Like you can't have them on any water before 9 a.m. Obviously, they don't have any lights on them. Um, and then they got to come off water too by a certain time period, and oh, it's not right? sunset. Yeah. Huh. So I just haven't like just nailed my all-day cloudy migrator day opportunity yet. Migration day. Just hunt migs. Oh, dude, can you imagine? It could be a late morning thing. We got two cripples out there. I got them. <laughs> <laughs> just do like carve around one in donuts, just taunting it. That's mean as I mean. I wouldn't do that. <laughs> uh, they dive, you dive. Do hop your own, <laughs> hop your own wake. You know, do that that move. Oh man, no, I miss my jet ski so much. Go. <laughs> I've never been on one. Not oh, really? You should just buy one, like, sight unseen, and you would love it. Yeah, I'm good. I like to what fish. What do you mean? I, I have no interest. 
I don't have any interest in just driving. Dude, it's a motorcycle. For no reason. You're, it's a motorcycle. You're far less likely to die on. <laughs> well, I mean, I do like motorcycles, all right, but. Dude, I'm telling you, yeah. The thing, the thing with motorcycles versus like you can go places. Like unless you're on a river system, you can't go anywhere. You just drive in circles. That seems stupid. And you just piss everybody else off on the lake. So. Well, what you try to do is you try to break your jet ski. <laughs> I bet I could do that. Or I'm kill pretty, yourself. I'm like, pretty just... good about breaking things. It's fun, man. I'm sure it is. I'm. I'm I do not doubt that one bit. All right, we should probably talk about waterfall again. Ah, whatever. Should we end this one? And uh, do you want to do another one, or, or uh, yeah, what do you got, think? I got time for another one. I got time for another one too. I got more things to talk about. 